We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit if she wished. Mine! It's with the ancestors! I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I'll have what she's having. And my name is Colin Drucker, and I want you to know that I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. Ooh, Carrie! <laughs> Carrie! Yes. Best Supporting she's Carrie. Great. Marie. Yeah. Marie, Marie, I God love the bless name Marie. Marie. Yes, yeah, um, and and <laughs> we're of course talking about the hit television show Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> yes, Marie Barone. Mar- this is the Marie Barone appreciation episode. Finally, that sounds like a fun episode, though. Honestly, I as I was saying that, I was like, oh wait, have we done that? Why haven't we done that? Why haven't Marie Barone? Uh, what's her snakes? Won like seven Emmys for that role. Doris Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that that was an assignment you gave me one time was to watch the cold cream episode where, where it was on her face. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. that was a great episode. Oh, yes. all right. Oh, so yeah, I knew there. I knew that there was some. Everybody loves Raymond appreciation in, on this podcast at some point, but unfortunately, folks, it's not this week, not today, because uh, we're actually here to talk about uh, quite specifically Carrie Fisher. As Best Supporting Marie in 1989's When Harry Met Sally. Now tell me, because I I think I'm remembering correctly, but had you not seen this movie, have you seen bits and pieces? I'm sure over time you've probably seen a few clips. Obviously, you know the infamous I'll Have What She's Having scene slash line. What's, What's your history here? I think I'd seen some like snips and snails of it, but I had never seen the entire thing. And so this was actually really my first full experience from Harry to Sally. Like I from soup to nuts. This was my first when Harry met Sally viewing. And I, uh, I, I, uh, I'll say it right now. I really enjoyed myself. I had a great time and it only took an hour and 35 minutes to get there. I know. I love that. I love a short runtime. I think, who was it? Was it you who said that or someone else said like, no, like comedy should be more than an hour and a half or maybe a romantic comedy more specifically. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Uh, Now, what about you? What's your, uh, is this, is this your first, uh, your first meeting? It's not. I had seen this movie several times, and I think I watched it a lot in college and a little bit after college. So I'd say I'd probably seen this movie at least five or six times, Um, but it had been a while. And I was so, it like, I just, it felt like a warm hug, like a nice blanket on a fall day because this movie does kind of run the gauntlet of like an entire year almost or what feels like a cycle of an entire year so you get to see Christmas you get to see fall in New York and I I think this is like one of the best I really truly feel that way and I know there's a lot of shades of like 
Annie Hall in this movie, especially like when Billy Crystal starts talking about like the death conversation. I'm like, all right, you're ripping this right from Annie Hall, but um, I'm I'm fine with it. But I just think that this is like, I, I feel like it's one of the top five romantic comedies of all time. And maybe I'm just riding that wave because it had, because it had been a while, but I love the formula. I love the performances and it makes me laugh. It makes me cry. And there's some really great women. There are some great women. I mean, there's going to be a lot of Meg Ryan appreciation on this episode as well. Yes. But, yes. you know, and, and this is, again, one of those situations where you never cease to surprise me. The number of things you have never even heard of Romancing the Stone, but you've seen When Harry Met Sally five times. I mean, I... <laughs> I know. You know, you just never know what you, what's going to be, you know, a repeat offender in your catalog and what is going to be essentially like, you know, folding over the corner of something and going married. Like what <gasps> is just not in your world. I love that. I laughed <laughs> yeah. so hard at that because I totally forgot about that scene. She's great in this. But one thing that I... I really love about this movie are the confessionals in between of the they are actors but they do feel like real couples and they're all senior couples telling the story about how they met fell in love and um, got married and I just I feel like those would be right up your alley oh I mean I, I and I remember that they were in the movie but I couldn't remember you know to what extent but I feel like once it got to the line of like you know, I knew the way you know about a good melon. It was like yes. that line. It was if I hadn't heard it before, it was like it found a place that was waiting for it in my heart. Yeah. People are always crossing the room to talk to Maxine. That was almost one of my opening lines. It's so oh, funny. God, yeah. Those couples are great. Those little stories are great. And um, yeah, and it's and this is like such a weird thing, but. One of the, and this is throughout the movie, but you notice it with the couples that like, there's something about the way that there's like a slow fade to pl to black in the transitions, and you can kind of almost see them like continue to look at each other as it fades to black. There's something about that stylistically that I just really loved. I just I love the sort of the the slow fade to blacks in this movie. Yeah, and they always kind of pop up right when you need them or right where it makes the most sense after a scene within the movie to cut to these confessionals. And of course, like, I just think it's so wonderful that like the last confessional, of course, is Harry and Sally. It was like, it's like you don't see it coming, but when you do, it's like, oh, of course they'd be the last one. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so there. I mean, you know, jumping to the end so soon, but it, I mean, spoiler alert, Harry and Sally end up together, folks. But yes. I just love that that final little speech is all improvised. And I thought it was so like we've talked about a few different romantic comedies on this podcast. And one of my favorites has been enough said. And one of my favorite things about enough said is the ending and that kind of like where it cuts off. And I feel like when Harry met Sally had a similar kind of like abrupt ending, an almost an Amadovarian ending. Yes. I mean, let us go no further um, in this podcast until we mention the great, I mean, the icon Nora Ephron, because this screenplay it was oscar nominated by the way because i you know I, you know we always do research and kind of look at imdb but i was so glad to know that it was nominated because i do think it's it's one of her best and one of the best screenplays for a, a rom-com i mean it's like it it's interesting because it it's it does and it doesn't set the template like it's 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 mm -hmm. certainly not the first romantic comedy ever made. And in terms of like the beats that it follows, you know, guy meets girl, you know, 
guy loses girl, guy tries to get girl back again, girl falls in love with guy, guy, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of, like, similar beats to things we've seen before, but I feel like when, when Harry met Sally, I feel like it, it brought romantic comedies into the 80s, and then I think then created kind of a, a template for where they went in the next, you know, 20, 30 years where there was more of a meta quality. There was more of a, I mean, even something like Sex in the City, I think, wouldn't really exist. That tone, that point of view, I think, owes something to the way that when Harry Met Sally approaches the romantic comedy. I agree. I feel like it's, there's something very, like, Seinfeldian about the way that they that like Harry and Sally talk like it could easily be Jerry and Elaine in this situation Mm -hmm. because it's challenging everything we know about romantic comedies we're just used to like guy meets girl maybe there's some tension but they fall in love quick and that's kind of the same thing but we don't see it you know it's a different road but even that road trip like the it's kind of like setting the tone of what to expect for the rest of the movie too to have that conversation of like can men and women be friends without men you know wanting to to have sex with the woman or maybe vice versa and i i feel like it's interesting even to pose that in like the gay world as well too because as we know it's very you know a lot of friends and like especially those like throngs of gay men that just like kind of travel in packs too it's like oh they slept with this person and they slept with that person but somehow maybe they're able to kind of just be friends eventually it's like it's like that initial sort of attraction I guess what are you what are your thoughts on that I think gays and I think lesbians joke about this too about how how often like friends are exes or our past you know so and so is now dating my ex and my friend you know or my, you know whatever there's just like that connection just changes versus just ending. And I feel like gays, it's very similar where it's, it's sort of the, I don't want to say the, the opposite of when Harry met Sally, but I feel like for so many gays, it's kind of like you have sex first and then you like get it out of the way in a way. And you kind of like burn through that period of the connection. And then it, more and I'm not saying this is everybody but I mean I think this I know this can happen and then it like morphs into this friendship and then the fact that you ever had sex is kind of this weird like piece of trivia that fades over time and and then it's like then what remains is the friendship and I think that is totally possible I mean I feel like yes so much of when Harry met Sally is very much a, a a monogamous heterosexual uh set of rules and set of expectations instead of um limits yeah i think it's interesting because you know at the beginning sally doesn't even suspect that that's a possibility she's like well you know she's it's it's perfect because she's kind of right out of school she still is naive to the world or at least how men think and harry's there to kind of tell her like very matter-of-factly that like no you know your guy friends want to sleep with you it's it's very it's it's just how it goes too and when sally and marie and uh who is the third alice they're having that like conversation at lunch Mm -hmm. like that's the sex in the city that i want there and it it is very sex in the city that scene the three like the three of them sitting having lunch at like the the boathouse in in central park that to me i felt like that's always my favorite scene in any of these movies and nancy myers movies have these scenes of the girlfriends sitting around talking and sex in the city has it every episode and it's like that is a that's a staple i could watch a whole movie that's just you know just the support of friends in the romantic comedy in a way i don't know like 
you compare the conversations that are being that are happening in 1989 and when Harry met Sally. You compare it to the conversations happening in the early 2000s and Sex in the City at brunch. You compare it to the conversations that are happening now in. I don't even know. Not in just like that. I don't know. <laughs> I was I, just going to say, not that. Don't, not that. No, I no, don't, not that. Yes. Oh, no, not that. And whatever the, the, the modern, you know, finger on the pulse version of this is now. Yeah. And it's the same template there, but like the problems have just changed or the, or the issues or the, you know, I don't know. The red flags have changed, I suppose. Yeah. I think one of the things about, I feel like we're going to go back to Sex and the City a lot in this episode. Maybe not, but I, I think. It validates what everyone is thinking. You know, Sex in the City, it's like, is everyone else talking about this? Because it's mm-hmm. like, I think everyone is just drawn to, you know, your close girlfriends kind of like saying like, don't men suck? Or like figuring out how to navigate, how to snag a man. Or But like, I think the beauty of the original Sex in the City is like all four of those women have a separate sort of identity and point of view and approach to dating or monogamy or whatever it is too. But it, it, it was just like, they kind of run the rag out in like every scenario. I feel like we don't need another Sex in the City. And maybe that's why, and just like that is just so, you know, tragic and, you know, in a way, or at least like it's trying to find something fresh with something that's already, with something that's already been done. And I don't think, you know, you were just saying right now, it's like, what is, what's the new Sex in the City? I don't know. We don't, don't know. need it, maybe. I mean, I feel like a show like Insecure might be an example. I was of just that. thinking that actually. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Like Insecure, I feel like I don't even know because I I think the thing about Sex in the City or When Harry Met Sally or, or you know any of these other you know kind of like cornerstones of of romantic comedies is they become. They become, as you said, like the thing that like is, is anyone else talking about this? They become the the mouthpiece for those issues. It becomes kind of like, oh, this is where I'm seeing like familiar narratives reflected back to me. And I feel like I've had that experience, I guess, as a gay man, a little bit with the other two, you know. Um, yes. But the other two is also so many other things beyond that, you know, and and canceled. Um, but I don't I don't know. I mean, they tried to bring back Queer as Folk and it got canceled. So, like, we didn't need that. And I would not say that the American slash Canadian Queer as Folk was, like, the mouthpiece of the gay community. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. And, and maybe, I know, I can't remember. I always ask you this question. I, I, I definitely always forget as well. But your your journey with looking, because I feel like that, that was probably oh. the best version of that. Because there are some really great moments in that, too. I, you know, I still have not, and I know what's her name is in it that we love, plays the oh, sister. Oh, yeah, Lauren Weedman. Lauren oh, Weedman's in it. Oh, my God, she's so good. That's, like, the reason. I don't know why. And I know Murray Bartlett's in it. Like, I don't know what I'm waiting on. And Jonathan Groff is, I just, I forget how great of an actor he is. He is so solid in that show. And I don't know, maybe we have, is there room for it in our rom-com month to do the looking movie? Because it is good. From what I remember, I could do a rewatch and it, it doesn't really require that much. Like I, I could give you a little bit of, you know, this, here's what you need to go going into it, but it, it doesn't require that much groundwork, but maybe well, you do bring up a good point that, cause you know, folks, we should give you some context here yes, that you bring right. up a very good point about, uh, we, as you know, last month we did Action Movie Month, 
uh, because it was gay pride. And so we wanted to continue our celebration of the queer community by doing ro- romantic <laughs> comedy month. Yes. As we were talking through things we're like, Oh my God, we have all these movies we want to do. Let's do a romantic comedy month. And so we have kicked off romantic comedy month this July with, you know, of course when Harry met Sally and we have some others kind of, you know, uh, in the hopper that we have, you know, planning to do, but you make a good point in that, like, I believe all of the ideas that we are, doing for romantic for romantic comedy month are like straight white lady com romantic comedies yeah i was trying to think of just queer movies anything queer that's you know a rom-com sort of situation and you know we did fire island already we did Um, yeah uh so it's it's an interesting thought and i feel like the looking movie isn't that long to be honest i feel like it's an hour and 25 minutes i just looked it up Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. And, and I mean, there's always bros, but I feel like we, I feel like we chatted about bros. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I, I liked bros, but I think that like, I mostly liked, uh, Deborah Messing and bros. And so, oh like, my gosh. Yes. Our Debbie. I could just talk about our Debbie and that would be a short episode, but it would be the focus on what I love the most about bros. I feel like in an alternate universe, Debbie Messing would make a great Sally. I could see her oh, running. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, one of the movies that we've talked about kind of gives us a little bit of <gasps> Debbie as Sally. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When Dermot met Debbie. So, that's right. Um, I, I do want to just mention something just before we move on from the looking movie that feels like uh, maybe you want this to be a surprise for me. But... Uh, a like fourteenth build Tyne Daly as Justice of the Peace. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember because I I feel like Keon and I watched it when it first came out and I don't remember. Oh my gosh, well, it was like how many years ago? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Um. Whoa, Bethany. Uh. <laughs> whoa, Bethany. Whoa. But whoa, I do Bethany. love. I do love a Tyne. All right. Well, you know, all right. Maybe, maybe this, okay. We'll talk about this off the pod, you know, off the mic. We'll talk about yeah. this later. Um, and we also, sorry to say one more please. thing. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no. Raul Castillo, who was in Cha Cha Real Smooth, plays Richie, and he's he's so good in looking. He's, he's by far one of my favorite characters in oh. looking. And I think he's so talented. And you barely get to see that in Cha Cha Real Smooth. It's a totally different character, but I fucking loved Richie and he's like kind of Jonathan Groff's on and off sort of like Ross and Rachel sort of deal so yeah okay oh you know I I love an alum I love a ch- I love you know how many degrees of Dakota Dakota Johnson you know sometimes I don't need to be told twice you know <laughs> that's true yeah 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 okay all right, all right. I, I'm so glad we had this conversation yeah I'm glad we got there yeah okay yeah yeah um so anyway now that we're we we just we dove right in and i i think when harry met sally it's kind of like jurassic park where it's like well i was gonna say we all know what, what harry met sally was about but i realized watching this that i didn't really know what this movie was about and i like that it is very much about the friendship of harry and sally over the years long before it's about the courtship of harry and sally and i feel like yeah that it was I, I really I don't know I, I enjoyed that I feel like that's something 
that is something kind of fresh for romantic comedy, even now where it's like there's a portion of the movie where it's like it's just about their friendship. Like there's it's it's not, you know, because eventually we get to the the New Year's when they're dancing cheek to cheek. We have those great little face journeys where they're both realizing yeah. like, oh, oh, there's a little bit of there's a little, you know, this plug's got sparks to it, you know. Yes. Um, but I feel like I I like that they kind of earn their way to that. And it's like. I don't know. There's something sort of charming about seeing them trying to defy this theory that he has that men and women can't be friends. Yeah, to make the audience wait all the way to the end, even though that we kind of knew it's going to happen. And it's like everyone's rooting for that, even when they finally sleep together. I don't know if it's Marie or, or Jess that says, we've been praying for it. It's that's yeah. like, I love that line in a way. I'm like, that's it's such a offshoot of a, of a line. But I, I, I agree. It's like, it's, it's building that foundation, I guess. I don't know, because it's they're not really ideal for each other in a way. It is that yin and yang that I feel that sometimes couples need of like he's the one that's you know, he's difficult in his own way. You know, she's high maintenance. But I do love that line about because I know so many women and men like this that like you're the worst kind. You don't think you're high maintenance, but you actually are high maintenance. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they, they're very much an opposites attract kind of, uh, kind of pairing. And of course, you know, played by Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. And I believe this is our first time ever talking about Ms. Ryan on the podcast. And I'll say this, we need to be, we need to be talking about Meg Ryan more as a nation. The children have forgotten and I am one of those children. I she is so effervescent. She's like Sarah Jessica Parker meets like Melanie Griffith. Like as mm -hmm. far as just like that, that rare, she's like charming as fuck and she's such a good actress. And I love that there are a few fucks, pun intended, but the, mm -hmm. the, the word fuck in this movie. And I think she has one of the best lines when, she's, when she just tells him fuck you and slaps him in the kitchen. Like I just... Love that. I love that that's something they didn't shy away from because that's how like people talk. You know, they're not going to like get that PG rating, like make it, you know, make it a PG 13 or whatever. Yeah. It was. Yeah. The kids aren't going to like this anyway. Yeah. Yes. But um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It wasn't R rating. Wow. Oh, really? I guess the orgasm. That's true. I, guess I love orgasm. that in a way, though. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, like, that's certainly what everybody knows the most from this movie. And watching it in context and watching it in full, the orgasm scene deserves all of the all of the praise that it gets. She, oh, I mean, listen, I'm no I'm no expert at the female orgasm, but it that was an incredible <laughs> yes, recreation display, the incredible display of what somebody tells me is a thing that I I'm, I believe happens and I believe is valid and important. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think I read on IMDb that like it wasn't initially written in the script, but I don't know if it was Billy's idea or Meg's or you know Rob's. But I love it. I love she does it that she does it right in the restaurant. It leads up to the, one of the best lines in the movie, like what it's known for, and it's such a great way for her to kind of stick it to Harry, who just kind of sits there and takes it in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's a really it's a great moment, and she's I mean, it's funny because I feel like I. 
and it's not even that they've done that many movies together, but I always think of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. I always think of like, oh, because I guess like yes. You've Got Mail is very familiar to me. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, in Seattle. Yeah. Which I haven't even seen as we as we recalled from last week's episode. So like, I don't yeah. even know why that relationship feels so indelible to me. And like Meg with Billy, it's like, oh, man, you know, you're breaking Tom's heart over here. But yes, they have. I mean, such great chemistry. I love that there's so much improv in this movie. I love the like the pecan pie scene in the in the museum. Yes. And I love that it's that shot of her like looking away and laughing and like Rob Reiner like tells her to keep going. I love those little like totally unscripted moments. And she's just Oh, I just swoon for her. I just I swoon yeah. for her. I absolutely love everything that she wears in this movie um i fashion just fashion icon just, oh my god like the hats like the fall walking through the leaves in central park or whatever park that is and i i just i love her the big glasses the curly hair i mean this is this is to say nothing of harry i mean harry's like a little bit i feel where did i write in my notes where he's starting to i feel like the uh the new york giants or the new york like the football scene is where Mm -hmm. harry's in the beginning of his like best era i love him with facial hair the most oh oh when harry met the beard that's when i fell in love yeah (sighs) just reading that book with that chunky white sweater and like the the, you know the wool socks yeah oh my god it's just you know that that shot of him in you know in the white sweater reading in the sweatpants. I put that next to Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, yes. laying on the table with the shirt open. Yes. Why is no one talking about that tableau? Yes. 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 Maybe that made me gay. You know, because that's <laughs> like so hot. And like he's such a like he's such a little mensch. But like I'm very I, Billy Crystal, like or, or Harry. I feel like even in the road trip scene in the beginning, like. Even spitting the grape seeds, even all of that, there's something about him that I am, I don't know. I, I'm i I'm very sweet on him in this movie. I get it. I totally get it because I feel like it's it's unexpected. I There's like that sort of, I don't know, he's like, he's smart enough and also like cocky in a way that, mm-hmm. that just makes me want to... I guess figure him out or prove him wrong, you know, and they make a great they they spar well together because, you know, even though she has a lot to learn, I feel like sometimes that she can sort of put him in a corner, too, which I love. But, yeah, I mean, he's so hot in this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just it's such a like I, I don't expect it. But then especially once once that beard shows up, it's over. I'm like, oh, this is this. I don't even I don't think this counts as monkey qualities, but like come and knock on my door billy oh I know. my god and he has a great voice he can sing sorry with the fringe on top i just think he's such a he can be silly too he's not yeah. just that like he's not a mr darcy but he has mr darcy qualities and he's able to kind of let himself go and when you get to that like sweet center it's really hard to not be drawn to him in a way yeah, like I think about that scene when they're fighting on the stairs outside of Marie and Jess's Ugh. apartment. <clears throat> and, you know, she's just going on and on and on. He's like, all right, are you, are you okay? Is it everything? Is it okay? Can I say something? Yeah. Can I say something? Um, and then, and it's such a like, it's a very much a somebody somewhere kind of moment, you know, where they're just yes. like, I'm sorry. And then they just embrace. Like it, it reminded me of that scene in the church with Joel and, and Sam where they're just like, yes. I'm sorry. And I love that. I love like seeing that 
I don't know. That was such a beautiful resolution to that fight. Um, and yeah, that that's in there. That it's like, oh, there's there's Harry. Yep. Oh my God. And the way he hugs her is just so beautiful. And I I think he knows that like he got her all riled up because that he saw Helen in the store, and he knows mm-hmm. that he fucked up too. And he says, "I'm sorry." And like it just. I think any other situation, like, Harry would have just left. Like, in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. They would have just, like... Uh, Sally would have went back upstairs. Harry would have just, like, left, and they would have not talked to each other for the day, at least. And maybe they would have called each other at night. I love those calls late at night when they're channel surfing, too. Ugh. Oh, I love that. And I love the, the IMDb trivia that that was basically based on things that, like, Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner would do. They would I just... know. How sweet. Right. And it's not even, like, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron used to do this. It's Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner. Basically, like, when Harry Met Sally is just, like, the romantic comedy version of their friendship. I know. And I I love straight men who do that. Like, to have that sort of... I, you know, that they, they love their best friends and there's mm-hmm. like some, there's a bond there. And I don't, I, I have a couple straight men in my life, you know, that, that are like that. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I, I so appreciate that. Like the, and I'm sure there are obviously movies that I can't think of off the top of my head at all about male friendships like that, but male friendships in a way that they are calling each other, not just like, you know, they're not war buddies. You know, they're just mm-hmm. two guys living in New York that happen to be really close. And I think Jess has a line about like, well, you tell her stuff that you wouldn't tell me or something like that. Yeah. And it's so it's it's so funny because it, it feels like, you know, I thought I was your best friend and men just don't say that often enough. Yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the things that was interesting about the Banshees of Inishirin was it was like this really oh, yeah. interesting, subtle story about male friendship. But I yeah, like I, I think that we're so used to seeing, you know, yeah, it's sort of being demonst- demonstrated in awkward ways or like trying to avoid in- intimacy. But I feel like I don't know, I guess there is just something incredibly intimate in a way of like both of you being up on the phone up at night on the phone together watching tv together like in a way like that's it's very sweet and and it's not like oh we're just watching the game it's like no they could be sitting there talking about like who ingrid bergman should have been with at the end of casablanca yes yeah talking about great films and and Mm -hmm. television or what are you watching it's just it's it's really lovely to know that behind the scenes fact yeah ugh Men are just so great. You know, this has really been the year of the man on this podcast. <laughs> I and know. It's I been know. consistent. And uh, and and all that being said, it, it, you know, we we haven't even really talked about really the the, the lady of the hour. Um, it, it's no romantic comedy without the support of friends who has like the slightly more complicated love life than than the lead, you know, main character. And that's where we get. Carrie Fisher as Sally's good friend Marie, who I actually I think is the funniest character in the movie. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I think there's something about her. She has the best lines, the yep. best delivery. Um, go on. Yes, I mean I I think that this role can be a nothing role, and like Judy Greer has been turning this straw into gold for years in this role. Yes, um, yes. But I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think, for example, when they're at the bookstore and, uh, you know, Harry is kind of watching her surreptitiously from across the store and and Marie leans over and says, someone is staring at you in personal growth. And it's so like it's just Carrie Fisher is so like you can I feel like 
one of the things, and maybe it's why her delivery is so good, is you can hear that she's also a writer. You could hear that she yeah. has, like, because some of these lines are, like, funny, but it's her delivery, and it's her cadence, and it's where she finds the beats and the lines that make it even funnier. And I feel like a line like that is funny, but it's, like, the way that she hits personal growth is very Carrie Fisher. Oh, yeah. I mean, my favorite line is... um you know, it's at the lunch, the Sex and the City lunch, and she has someone for Sally, and she's like, I don't find him attractive, but you might. She doesn't have a problem with chins. I <laughs> cackle during that. The way she, like, she leans over to Alice. You know, yeah, yeah. She doesn't yeah, care yeah. about chins. <laughs> oh, I love that. And yeah, and then when they tell, tell her the one guy's married, just the way she dog ears that one uh, index card, married. I just, I mean, that visual right there, like this woman with a literal Rolodex of like of names of men like that to me, it's just like, oh, wow. And I don't think that I think this was obviously, you know, a bit of an exaggeration for a movie. But like that idea of like, that's what dating was like in the 80s was like you literally had a phone book of names and numbers. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I feel like the one thing maybe with with Alice and Marie specifically in that scene too. And I guess Sally somewhere in the middle is like the most important thing that you can do with your life is to be with someone. Cause even Alice has the line, well, at least you can say you were married. Like it's mm-hmm. not, that, that's the difference between, you know, what sex in the city was and what these women are. They're just sort of, you know, they all have careers, but I, I think that Sally's trying to figure that out too, but it's not really, I, I guess it's like this, um, this need to be it almost reminds me of like an like an early season uh, Sheena Shea in Vanderpump Rules like all she wanted to do was just say that she was engaged Mm -hmm. and all she wanted to do was just say that she was married and then it like blew up in her face too but is it worth it you know what I mean in the idea of like settling for someone like at least you could say you were married right I mean I feel like that and I'm sure that that still exists, you know, today. I mean, I, I think that's sure. like this, this thing that has not died. And it's such a like, I don't know. I don't, I certainly don't feel that pressure as a gay man. And it's like, I'm 38 years old and like, yeah, I'm single with a cat and I live in Queens. Like, it's not looking good. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's everything's fine. But, you know, on paper, it's like, oh, girl. Um <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my god, this guy. <laughs> oh my god, this guy. He's got a cat. <laughs> but, oh, that was good. But you know, it's like I that thing that I I mean I I have seen with friends of mine and you see in movies like this just that the rat race of dating, you know? And and oh, I think I know a guy and I think he's available and I think he just broke up with someone like it it's very similar to the joke that they have in in uh, in this movie about like finding an apartment, and it's like, oh, they should have the real estate listings next to the obituaries. I kind of feel like they should have the personals next to the like you know marriages and separation section, you know, yes. because it's like that's how people are treating it. It's like, oh, I I gotta find that deal. I gotta find that deal before the other women do. Yeah, um, and. It's, I mean, I know from per- not personal experience, but like my, you know, my close gal pals and that dating is rough and there's so many, I'd say like, I don't, I wouldn't say the majority, but like, I don't know what percentage to assign. It doesn't matter. But a lot of my friends that are in their like early forties, late thirties have just sort of like, they've sort of stopped dating for a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they'll pick up and maybe they won't. And maybe, maybe they'll just be single 
and happy you know, forever. Like they've sort of cultivated this. And I think it's kind of happening with a lot of women, too, where they realize they don't need that man. But they would like a partner at the same time, too. I think it's there's a difference between, you know, and it. it behind that is like what kind of upbringing you have too is like are is your family just going to pressure you to get married do you live in a big city versus like do you live in a small town where everyone just gets married so you just do that too but i think the older you get the more you know there's that like classic cliche of like people unfairly will say like accuse women of being too picky you're just being too picky but like they should be picky because they also know what they deserve and they don't want to settle and they don't want, you know, I, I, no one's without flaw. You can work with, you know, maybe he has, I feel like that 30 rock line. What if he has a thumb ring? But I think there's, you know, those are, you can still find your way to happiness if you so, if you so choose that, you know, uh, and happiness being like partnership, I guess. And I, that that concept or that idea, and, and I think that as a gay man I find interesting because I do feel like there are a lot – like it's not uncommon for there to be gay men who are, you know, just kind of yeah. focused on their friendships in their 30s into their 40s and, you know, with or without like, you know, a hookup sex life as kind of like a yeah. – you know, I don't know, you putting a little – I don't know, add a little variety to the mix so you feel like you still got something to offer the world. Um, but I – I don't know. I think when I hear about women doing that, I feel like that's, I don't know. There's uh, When I hear about that, the first feeling I feel is a sense of relief for them because like I do hear about how like dating is awful and Tinder is a nightmare and, and yeah. Bumble and all of that. And like Reddit, there's like the, you know, people post all these like awful screenshots of conversations that they have on both oh, sides, yeah. men and women, just terrible conversations they're having. And I mean, listen, I hope that every, I hope that every pot finds its lid, no matter what you like or what you got going on downstairs. But I, sometimes I really do think that like, Maybe, maybe men are maybe women are supposed to be with women, and men are supposed to be with men, and <laughs> and straight people are the ones who are really trying to break what nature has created. Because I'll, I, it just seems like one side can't talk to the other. <laughs> I know. It, I mean, look at Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal. I mean, it's a match made in heaven, and they're yeah. just kind of they live separately. They have their own bathrooms. They have their own pets. You know, it's yeah, it's magic. Right. I mean, I just I think that like that is that that's kind of the interesting lens watching these very traditional straight romantic comedies. And, you know, and I'm not saying that with like uh, straight people, whatever. I love straight people. I was I was made from straight people. I wouldn't be <laughs> here without straight people. So, you know, this one's for my mom. But I <laughs> I but I feel like the, the benefit of watching movies like this is you're able to kind of see through those constructs. You're kind of able to see. Not just that they are constructs, but you have kind of like living, you know, even like lived examples of not living that way, of not experiencing that and of of knowing that like of knowing what it's like to be on the edge of 40. And it's like nobody expects me to have kids ever. Yeah. No one cares if I have kids like would my mom want me to have kids? Yeah, certainly. But like I think she's accepted that it's. You know, it it her grandbabies are all going to be four legged. You know, um, yep. But I guess it's like, but all, but I think to your point, I think beyond the like having kids or getting married, it's like just how you 
how you enact a relationship. You know what I mean? Like how you, what are the terms in which you say this is what makes it a relationship or this, this is how we practice our relationship. I feel like gay people are more, and I say that as an umbrella, gay people are more likely to kind of explore other options that they do, that they aren't seeing in the wild whereas straight people i think are often kind of told this is how it works you know what i mean and if you yeah. don't fit into this model good luck honey yeah and i think you know there's always that sort of caveat to like any queer person that we're already starting a little bit later than most people do but there are straight people that i know women and men too that have just not have have had good luck dating because they're socially awkward or whatever it might be and it kind of brings me back to um you know th that sort of fear of being single be and like i guess the idea of settling and luckily for marie in this movie she has a connection with jess and like they 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 have something to sort of go off of and it's it's it seems like it's going in the right direction because th that line of like, tell me I'll never have to be out there again. You will Ugh. never have to be out there again. And it, it feels like, oh gosh, it's like, it's so, you're, she's so safe in that moment. And I love that they're in bed and not standing up. It, it does feel like this sort of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm, I, I got him, you know, I got him ladies. Mm -hmm. But it's also that idea of like, uh, some people get in relationships with people they know aren't really their match, but they don't want to go back out there again and right. go back into that, ugh, God, the abyss of dating. It's just, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's like that kind of situation where like the relationship isn't bad enough that I'd rather be single. You know, I could work on it or like, no, there's, you know, there's still some things I like. I mean, as a, you know, as a single person, that's certainly something that I... I don't know that I think about a lot that I think about in terms of like when I think of pursuing a relationship, it's like, am I down for like, people tell me it's work. People say relationships <laughs> take work. Am yes. I down for that? Because like, I know, for example, that like, I feel like whenever I've been in a relationship, there is like a, there's a certain uh, there's a certain section of baggage that is only released once I'm in a relationship. There's certain like insecurities or there's certain stuff that pops up that's only activated once I'm in a relationship. And I can't like deal with them when I'm single because they're dormant. And so yep. I have to like be prepared, you know, that like, okay, well that stuff's going to come up and, a, am I ready to like deal with that stuff? And like, B, is this the right person to be in some way present for me to deal with this stuff? You know? Um, oh yeah. Is that, I don't know. As someone who's in a relationship, does that feel like an accurate statement? Yeah. I think like, as far as just using the baggage, baggage metaphor, I guess it's like, you know, the first couple of years, like you have your travel bag and you have like a, a fanny pack and you unpack that. And then, a couple suitcases get unpacked and then there's that big suitcase or maybe a small suitcase in the back of the closet that you you know is there. And I think it's also fair for people to, I almost said have secrets, but that sounds so like, it's an interesting sort of conversation to have is like, should every like, should your partner know every single thing about you? You know, as long as it's not like harmful, I guess, like, you know, some haunted past where you had like a record or something. But I I'm talking about just like emotional things. But whether I guess it's maybe um, a 
the idea of like, do, do you know that if you share that with your partner, that they're going to be supportive and provide what you need in that moment, I guess, too, whenever you're ready for that? Or are they going to try to pry it out of you? Because there's nothing worse than trying to like unpack that when you're backed into a corner and not ready to do that at the same time either. And, and then there's a fight and then you don't, you know, but you can't tell them why you're upset because maybe you don't know why you're upset or maybe you do know and you don't want to share that. But once it's out, it, there is this sort of like, it, it gives you that deeper connection. It, it gives you that deeper sense of trust and, I don't know. It it, it uh, enriches the the partnership, I guess. But it's scary. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's you know when they say it's work, it's not like volunteer work. Like you do get a paycheck. <laughs> like you yes. do get reward, not reward. You know what I mean? Like there there's good that comes from doing the work, and like I, I yeah. could I could totally see that. But I to me, I guess I just think at this point, kind of to the, your point of everything you just said, it's like that person. Oh, like you know. This is not going to be a willy-nilly casting session. Like, I'm going to need yeah. to see a lot of headshots, you know, because it's like yes. that's that's a very significant role. That's a re- and and there is, of course, no way to know that anyone you know is qualified to really be in that role until they're well into it. But I I don't know. I I do think there's some like gut instinct about a person that I would have to have. Um, that I feel like that's what I'm listening to is like something will cl- something will click that hasn't clicked before, and that's how I'll know that I've got a good melon here, you know? Yeah, because you also it's not only personal baggage; it could be baggage from like past relationships, family, oh, yeah. or like relationship relationships, and how maybe you were cheated on, or maybe you cheated on someone, or you know, you know how you get at a certain point or a certain timeline in a relationship where you start to get that itch and like. Uh, it's it's hard to trust people fully if ever yeah. you know and and that's something it's like you got to do your own work in addition to the work with someone else it it just adds to that that list of um duties i guess <laughs> yeah yeah one well, and, and i i think that's like such a big part of it right is like oh my god i am i am giving you the key to the fucking castle here like you could ransack the place when i'm not looking you know what i mean just in terms of giving somebody that level of trust and i uh i yeah that's i need to i need to find a new therapist and better help and start talking about this ever since trish dumped me (laughs) i (laughs) think we're on to something here but you know um what but i think you know to to bring this back to the movie and to bring this back to marie i feel like then and I've kind of been a bit in this situation, but I think this is also very familiar that like we see how often she's pursuing or seeing this guy who is still married. And, you know, there's the the yeah. running joke of, of her realizing from something that he's done or said or purchased for her, for his wife, you know, he's never going to leave her. And of course, Sally's like, yeah, he's never going to leave her. And it's kind of this repeated joke of Marie saying, you're right, you're right. I know you're right. But I feel like that's, that's very common too of like, yeah, but if I let go of this really shitty opportunity, then I'm not holding any opportunities. Yes. And a side note to that is like, I so appreciate the writing that Sally says like, yeah, idiot. He's not going to leave her. Like, yeah. Like, as opposed to like, well, you never know, you know, because that's not helping anyone. You know, there's been a couple of friends in my life too, that have been, in that scenario or, you know, that I've just sort of had to keep hush hush. And like, it's either, it's like, what 
it's like the what we talked about before. It's like when someone comes to you with any sort of problem, relationship or otherwise, it's like, do you, I feel like there's three things and I'm going to forget the third. It's like, do you want me to just listen? Do you want advice? Or, and then there's like a third thing too. Cause like, what do you want from me? Because it's, I think sometimes it is, if, if someone's just telling you the same shit over and over and over mm-hmm. again, either that person, like me, the listener is just gonna be like, I can't do this anymore. Like either you, you know, that, then it leads to conflict, you know, because then you, you're, it feels like you're attacking the other person and their choices too. But that's, that's hard to navigate. Yeah, that was like Stasi with that one boyfriend where they broke up and got back together so many times where it was like, how should we be reacting to you with this person? Like, yeah, when you I say be that, supportive, but right, right. But if you're going to get back together in two days, I don't want to say something that's not going to make things weird between us. I've I've also had friends that have gotten married and I've not really these are friends of friends. I want to clarify for mm. any friends of mine that are listening. Um Friends of friends who have gotten married that I met at like parties or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, your husband sucks so bad. But like in five years time, like they had kids and he's like the coolest guy now. And it just took time. I do think there is like that level of sometimes mothering straight men. And I know that's not what women want to do because they just want they want a partner and I think that like, but you also sometimes need to create that. It's like almost like the woman is the neck and the man is the head of the house. And we see mm-hmm. that just a smidge with Marie and Jess. And I'm so glad this scene exists with the coffee table because once you move in together, that's another step of unpacking your shit. And he likes the coffee table, but it's not about the coffee table. It is, but it's not. Right, right. And and it's also like it, this is kind of like that's such an example of the compromises you have to make in relationships and and like the the basic things of like I, you know, I just don't like his taste in in decorations. I mean, like one of Marie's other great lines in the movie is like everybody thinks they have good taste and a sense of humor, but they couldn't all possibly have good taste. And like <laughs> yes. and I think that there is like something i think that that's such a thing to recognize in your partner of like oh i love him but like can't decorate to save his life or just like can't put an outfit together or whatever and i i you know like you could look at like to kind of go back to what you're saying about like the mothering or whatever like you kind of the way that she says to him like i just want you to have good taste like i just i want to in my eyes i am helping you be a better person i'm also helping yeah. you be more of the person i want you to be yes and so that's maybe tricky. that's subjective yeah. yeah um but i do think there's a lot of that of like when when you're kind of helping bring out the best version of your partner based on whose standards you know yeah, it's like I see TikTok videos of like, here's my boyfriend when I met him and he's, you know, wearing like a white T-shirt and flip flops. And now he looks like hot as fuck and has a beard and his hair is trimmed. And you wonder if he likes that, you know what I mean? Or maybe he's grown to like it. And sometimes men are just like, whatever you want, honey. Like men sometimes do need that. They need direction. And I think women... Like, you also have to have a, a partner. The man has to be someone who's kind of receptive and also can, like, I guess push back in a way when they, you know, what... It, and hopefully it's something small. Hopefully it's not something big, you know? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with all this, but take take it from here, Colin. No, I mean, I think that's one of those <laughs> dynamics that, like, then, you know, what it, what this is making me think about is, like, that, that dinner scene in Enough Said where she's, like, poking fun 
at Albert for like the way he eats guacamole or the way, you know, not knowing how many calories is in something. The, I feel like these, those things, those little, you know, I want to help you be better at this or I want to fix that. They then become the fodder for those conversations. I, I mean, and again, like as we're talking about this, because gay relationships are not, or or not non-hetero relationships are not immune to any of what we're talking about. Like, I think it, it happens very commonly where, where women feel like they're you know they're mothering their husbands and and i'm sure that there is some reverse of that that we don't really see as much of or we don't really i don't really know what that looks like but i mean between two men i mean not to air anyone's dirty laundry but do you feel like there has been a similar dynamic in in, in certain ways in your relationship of like you I don't know. I, I, I was the know. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. Are yeah. You, are of you, course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Like, I am a lot. <laughs> but I don't, you know, and Keon, God bless him, has the patience of a saint and is the best thing that, that's ever happened to me because he can kind of point out and kind of call out in a gentle way when I'm, when he sees the ship starting to sink a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. like if, you know, and can kind of talk me through that. But as far as like, I think the one thing that we kind of laugh about now too, is like Keon, like a simple thing at a party is like, he will just go to town on food. He will eat like the whole house if Mm -hmm. he could. And he just kind of like blacks out. And I, I tell him, I was like, that's, that's too much. Like in a buffet line (laughs) or like, he's like going to town on some guacamole or fries and and also not like saving enough for the rest of the party yeah. and he just doesn't know and I'll tell him and Jamie who you've met like she'll say leave him alone and I'm mm-hmm. like but but there's also a reason behind it because he has tummy issues and if he eats a lot of crap <laughs> I'm gonna be the one that has to deal with it if you know what I mean when we get home and and he's like and then he's always like why did i eat so much and i'm like well i told you it's just like this that's a very small maybe not as you know it's not the same as the guacamole but i've i've snipped at him in front of people and i'm sure we were just talking about this because we were in erie for the weekend and we were with our you know the erie crew and you know we were just kind of recapping the um the weekend and the dynamics and stuff like that. And like a theme that I feel like a, a lot of the eerie people would agree with is that like no one can make a decision, which is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it drives me up the wall, but also like I love them and you know, it, it's fine. But we were just sort of chatting about them because I've said this before too. The play that I want to write is just called The Drive Home or like the first act we is like the dinner party. And the second act is like all the shit you talk on the pe- mm-hmm. <laughs> on the people, you know, and shit in quotes. You know, it's like, can you believe they said that or like, oh, my God, you know, all because it's everyone does it. Everyone yeah. does it. Um so, and it's yeah, their own that. versions of what happened and everyone's kind of own perspectives and like that and you can kind of compare it to m- moments during the dinner party where you didn't say something and then maybe gave like a quick look to your partner that then turns yeah. into a 20 minute diatribe on the drive home and and we were wondering i'm like do you think people say this about us too like what are they thinking and i'm sure people have said like nick kind of is controlling a little bit and I am and like I know that and I'm working on it okay but I I just I guess it's like my anxiety or like you know trying to please the other people in the room and make sure everyone's taken care of so when Keon eats all the food <laughs> I have to tell him like stop eating the food um oh my but, god that's so funny <laughs> I know yeah it's just like little squabbles like I think like yeah. at this point too like we know what we signed up for like it's very rare that something new comes along you know we know the rhythm of 
my quirks and you know stuff and the same with him too so it's just it's just kind of keeping tabs on each other but i guess like another thing ladies if you're listening is i always say this when keon and i first met like he was he was working um at like Pittsburgh Brewing and he you know he had a solid job and I remember one of our like our second date he's like I think I'm gonna buy a house next year and I was like whoa I was like that's crazy because I was 28 years old living in my parents basement working part-time for Barnes and Noble oh my god it's just like who would want to date that you know but I I think Keon also saw like you know there's there's good bones in this house you know Mm -hmm. and like I think that he he's a fixer in a way, you know, and he he likes to help people. He likes to be that, you know, he's a great person to sort of vent to and talk to and he offers good advice. And I think that over time, like I've kind of found my way through, you know, different careers or whatever. And he's just kind of there to support me and help me in any way he can. So he is we make a good team, I guess. I feel like if if one had to choose, I feel like you're more a Sally and he's more a Harry. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're definitely you're you're a, a an A plus Sally. <laughs> yeah, no. A plus Sally. <laughs> I mean, Sally's great. Sally is this. The, that's no. But I know what you're be, saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, but I, I feel could also like, be the curmudgeon too. You know? Yeah, I don't know. yeah. And and I could see him being more of the like, oh, I'm fine with that. Whatever. You know, no big deal. Because yeah. I feel like that was one of the things Harry says about Sally. It's like you're just fine with about everything. You're just fine with everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so maybe you two, you know, you keep trading off. Um, you yeah. know, I'm more of an Alice, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Alice is great. I th- yeah. there's that very small dinner party scene when I wrote Harry in those suspenders. I loved that. And there's like they're playing like a game. It's the Pictionary scene. Oh and, yes, yeah. I love that party. It was just like yes. what a fantasy party, and it was all the whole like win, loser, draw Pictionary thing was all improvised, which I loved. No way. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's cool. Um, I know. Just like I, I, I was kind of having this like dissociative moment watching that scene where I was like, man, because these people are like maybe around our age, a little bit younger in the movie and in this section, and I thought, man, what is it like to be like? hanging out with all of your like some married some single friends in your 30s and someone's brownstone in new york in the 80s Ugh. like what's your life look like you know yeah because everyone has a job yeah you know, and it's not dwelled upon i guess in this movie too but i like that i like when you don't really have to think about it but that's i guess that's the ca- caveat to this is like everyone's pretty you know quote unquote wealthy or taken care of you know in this movie but oh uh, yeah i just that's... wish wish we didn't have to work you know I know. I wish, you know, because, yeah, we are we are actually recording this on a national holiday. We're recording this on the 4th of July. Yes. And, you know, I I did not technically have off yesterday on Monday, but I... Neither did I. I worked yesterday. Oh, you worked? I oh, did. wow. I, yeah. uh, you know, I was... I was present in the world, but I wasn't sure. working. But I yeah, I mean, I would off. say yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we are, you know... We're coming off the end of a of a pretty light few days and back into you know back to work tomorrow. So oh, yeah, yeah. So that's really my biggest takeaway from when Harry met Sally is oh it was great, but they all had jobs. If only I know, they didn't have Wolf. to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I mean, I I want to say also too because I I um I think Marie 
one of the greatest lines too, and one of my favorite Meg Ryan lines too, is when Marie's trying on wedding dresses and she says, oh, Marie. Mm. And she just like wells up a little bit. And it's not even the best dress, if I'm saying, if I'm being yeah. honest, but she looks, you know, she looks great. I think it's the idea of it too, like where Sally is at that point in the movie. Um, but I think it's when she's asking, is Harry bringing anyone to the wedding or something like that? And she says, or maybe Harry's met someone and she's like, you know, and she says, what's she like? And she's like, oh, thin, pretty, big tits, your basic nightmare. And yeah. even that, like the cadence with that, too, is just like perfect. It's so good. And I love that that Sally is eating those peanut M&Ms. Yes. Uh, I love when I love when people eat stuff. Yeah. I'm never, I lo- it doesn't the chewing doesn't get to me. I don't know why. No, and peanut M&M's, I mean, that was something, we talked about this in our Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead episode, but I often, for decades, thought that when Rose knocks over her candy jar after, you know, G.A.W. goes under, that those, the jar is full of peanut M&M's, and she's putting them in her mouth while she goes, you're going to be just fine, and I have come to accept, and I think really, like, memorialize it in that episode, like, no, those are definitely Skittles, they're not peanut M&M's, the colors are Skittles, so it was nice to see real true peanut M&Ms in, in a movie. And um, yep. they, they made me think about those. Remember those like candy machines by the registers at supermarkets where you put like a of quarter course. in? Of course, yes. You crank yes. it and you get a handful of dusty peanut M&Ms, you know? <laughs> it's just the perfect mom, like here's a quarter, get the fuck away from me yeah. sort of situation. Like go do something else. Like hopefully they're old enough to just walk over and do it. And we were just like, you would get one of those like slimy, sticky hands yes! that you just slap each other with. Yes. 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 Oh and it was God. the coolest. It was the coolest. Oh, and then like inevitably would be just covered in lint and just like <laughs> pet hair. Before you get out of the store. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was just like the stickiness was gone by the time you got to the car. Uh, uh, but that's what I when I see peanut M&Ms in the 80s, I just think of like a just a dusty handful of of M&Ms from the supermarket. Oh, uh, yeah. It's from from the crank machine. Great. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, we've given some love to Meg Ryan, but I want to make sure to acknowledge two things. One, mm-hmm. I think there is there is a lineage to Amy Adams. You know, Meg Ryan and Amy Adams. It's totally there. I would love to see the two of them in a movie together. I I think that Meg Ryan is doing, like, there are so many moments where she's giving, where she's walking so that Amy Ryan, Amy Ryan, Amy Ryan's great too. Uh, Amy Adams can can run. Oh, Amy Ryan. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like, I want to see, like, um, Melanie Griffith into Meg Ryan into Amy Adams into... Like an Animorphs cover. Of oh the book. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Who's the next one? I don't know. Who's the like, next I just, one? Oh. I just feel yeah. There's this interconnectedness of like charm, and like talent as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, like Dakota Johnson is even though her mother is in that Animorphs lineage, yeah. she's and she's you know she's Mother Superiorium. You know what I mean? Like she's a yes. whole other level. But yeah, who's our like? I mean, I guess Emma Stone. You know, that's probably sure. where things yeah. morph into at some point. Younger ones now, like, because Emma Stone is not, you know, 22. Like, I don't know who's mm-hmm. who's in their 20s who's, like, our our new... Yeah, who's the new Amy Adams? I yeah. don't know. Who's the kid in Love, Simon? Uh, yeah. But um, the other thing I wanted to say about Meg Ryan is that truly, when it comes to talking through tears... I think that she is 
top of the pops. I think she has the whole extended crying scene um, when he comes over after after Joe breaks up with her. And I mean, it's funny because there is a similar I feel like there's a similar sort of crying, talking through tears set piece and you've got mail. But the woman is just the queen of talking through tears. And I just want to give her that. Yeah, because it's it's a little bit of like um, laughter through tears is my mm-hmm. favorite emotion. Like as a viewer, like I need a Kleenex. He's yeah, like, okay. okay. Well, when she's and I'm gonna things. be forty yeah. someday. <laughs> I'm difficult. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I'm gonna be forty someday. But you're thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. I just it was so good. It just and yeah, and it's funny like it's not tragic like it's funny but i believe the tears there's the little the little nuances i just loved it i meg ryan megan megan ryan and i I, to back it up further in the movie too because i think this is such a perfect intersection of like their friendship relationship is like when they i think it is after they meet in the bookstore and they both they're both uh broken up with and they go out to, to dinner, mm-hmm. and it's the I Spy a Family monologue. Yeah, That's so good. It's oh, so good. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And that, again, reminded me of You've Got Mail when she's talking about, like, her mother and the book. Wait, wait. Have you seen You've Got Mail? I think we're, we're total opposites here. I've seen um, Sleepless in Seattle. It's been a while, but I've oh. not seen You've Got Mail. That's the one that I've seen multiple times. And, oh, I love You've Got Mail. I have. It, I, I hear mm. it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's great. It's just, and, and the whole supporting cast is great. Parker Posey, Greg Kinnear, Maureen Stapleton. I mean, Steve Zahn. You love Steve Zahn. <gasps> I love Steve. Dave Chappelle, you know. Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, and it's and it's also set in the same world as... Uh, when Harry met Sally, it's all just like beautiful Upper West Side, brownstones, yes. through the seasons. I mean, um, uh, you know, melancholy around the Christmas, I'm sure, at some point. I mean, it's Love just, yep. it's a great companion piece to When Harry Met Sally. Um, a, because they both have Meg Ryan, but just like, yep. it, there's sort of, it, Kathleen Kelly and You've Got Mail is kind of a spiritual sister to, okay. to Sally Albright. Ugh, I love this. Yeah. Um, um I it, there was one other thing I wanted to call out about Sally. I mean, really it's the I, I just love that slap at the wedding. There's something so mm. good about it. And I think it's such an interesting you know, let's talk about this, I guess, is when because this is leading when she calls Harry over after she finds out Joe is getting married, her ex Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's there to kind of provide that shoulder to cry on and then she but he's the one who kisses her first because i do feel like they have this like it almost reminds me when like will kisses grace you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um that's sort of like they just they just kiss each other on the lips sometimes but then it leads to them actually sleeping together and that like shot of billy crystal afterwards too just staring at the void be like he knows he knows it's never going to be the same he knows the implications of this and she is just like she's got that great hair too that curly hair just like oh yeah her post-coil hair yeah she just and you know she goes to get the water and they both have these sort of moments where he's like i can't believe it and she's just sort of like this feels right and then they just don't talk to each other for a while and i guess that's why she's mad at him right is there anything else beyond that 
Well, I think there's like, I mean, what's interesting is leading up to that is that we've, because of the way that we've seen the movie play out, we know what he's going through. He's, he's experiencing the, like, how long do I have to hold her before I can go? That's and right. she's That's experiencing right. the, like, I want to be held all night. And so like, now we're seeing that play out. So I feel like there's that, but then they both kind of agree that it was a bad idea. And they have that dinner afterwards or like, where they then like eat salad in silence. And then I think where then where I think where they have the fight is that they talk about it afterwards. And she's like, how can you act like nothing really mattered? And he was like, you know, well, I think that like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people and dogs, like a year is seven years to the dog. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, says that she's the dog. And so basically like, you know, also implying like, I think it just, it meant way more to you than it did to me. Yes, yes, yes. And then, the embarrassment she feels from that too it fuels mm-hmm. the slap and everything too and it's just you know well, the walking e- out yeah go ahead. i was gonna say i think that's even the bigger part of it is like the, i think with all of these things with dating in general i think with with putting yourself out there with trying to follow the rules and do the right things is like i think more often than not and i could be speaking from my own diary here i'm not afraid of like meeting someone that I don't have a connection with. I think it's being afraid of meeting someone who feels they don't have a connection with you. Yeah. Oh, yes. When you go on a date and you're texting them the whole ride back on the train. Yeah. You know, and then you don't hear anything or you're ghosted, you know? Yeah. Fuck. I think we kind of accept a level of like, oh, okay, it didn't really work out, whatever, and hopefully we'll just kind of drift. But like, that's easier to get over than like, oh, I really like this person. Oh, they're not really responding to my texts. I think that's the, like, it's the fear of the rejection, I think, more than the fear of, of being alone or like not finding the right one. It's, it's I think, the fear of finding the right one and they don't agree. Yeah, because I mean... To reject her, quote unquote, to, for him to reject Sally at this, at this point in their friendship, relationship, whatever you want to call it, just feels like, pun intended, I guess, a huge slap in the face because it's like, but it also complicates it. Sex complicates everything, whether you mm-hmm. think it does or doesn't. And they know too much about each other, too. And he knows, she knows so much about him that, like, he's just waiting to, like, scram as quickly as he can. Yeah. And, yeah, he doesn't want to stay and snuggle all night, so... Yeah. Oh, God. Well, thank God. You know, I'll, I'll say this. You know, uh, the the biggest tragedy in this movie was not the possibility of Harry and Sally not ending up together at the end. The biggest tragedy in this movie is that he threw out that ice cream cone before he was good <gasps> and goddamn well done with it. I know. What a sacrifice. I should have checked does the ice cream cone get thrown out dot, dot com because <laughs> that's the new website. Yeah. yeah. As he's walking towards the end of the movie, walking in that park, eating it. And there's you, then you see the garbage can. You're like, oh, he's going to do it. He's just going to throw that whole fucking cone in the, in the ice in the, in the in the garbage. And I'm not there to pick it out and finish it. Yes, I know. What a waste. And also, like, New Year's Eve should be colder than it was. I feel like he just had on a light coat, you know? And maybe it was an unseasonably warm day. But, you know, we get the romantic comedy, the rom-com ending that we all are waiting for. And it feels right. It feels like it arrived just in time. And it's a great monologue that he gives to her. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's, you know, they they do create kind of an interesting moment in the end where she's like, you're not going to just come here and tell me you love me because you're lonely on New Year's. And he's like, 
this isn't about me right now. Like, these are all these things that I've loved about you on February 7th and on, you know, May 12th and on, you know, November 18th. Mm-hmm. Like, it has nothing to do with New Year's. And and that kind of unconditional thing that, like, you know, it, I guess it's like, <laughs> I love that you eat too much at a party. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes, kind of yes. like you sort of, you it's not just loving the things that are easy to love. And I think that was an yeah. interesting thing. He makes a point about at the end. I think everyone has those flaws too, or the the things that maybe you think would drive you nuts still drive you nuts, but in a mm-hmm. way that you're, you're able to forgive or, or, or navigate through them in a way that I guess you can tolerate it because you love them. And it's, it's just that simple. And the line of like, and when you find someone, you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. You know, I'm butchering this right now. You want that You want that life to start as soon as it can. That was not the line at all. But we all know it. If you know, you know. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. If you And when you find someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. There we Maybe go. Maybe that's what there it is. It is. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And it's a beautiful ending. And then again, to have the little epilogue of the two of them being another interviewed couple. And, and I just love that it's all improvised that entire scene was improvised and and she, and and I like I expect that from Billy Crystal but like she was so funny when she when they're talking about the coconut cake and the chocolate on the side and, yes. and he says yeah you got to keep it on the side or else it gets soggy and she says especially the coconut so it's important to keep it on the side and then that's where uh. and she like looks at him and smiles and that's where the movie ends and I just immediately you know in the hall of fame of favorite movie endings i just i yes. I, I immediately stood up it was so beautiful <laughs> what a random I note <laughs> yes i picture that oprah gif of like she's like she's in a purple sweater like cardigan and she like puts her hands together and like clasps them and like throws them over her like left shoulder and she's like oh oh of course <laughs> oh i the the, yes. the, the the too pleased one mm. yes. yeah oh of course it's so good yeah, it was. I was too pleased. It was such a beautiful ending. It's a great film. I I just this would be a movie that like if I had cable and if it was on, I'd always stop what I was doing and just watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this could really go into the category of like a sleepy time movie. This would be easy to like just put on and just like doze off and just be like a familiar sound in the background. And mm. I, I and I know we didn't talk terribly about. Carrie Fisher but really she is the best part of this movie she is so funny and she and Bruno Kirby have a lovely little chemistry together I love that they get together um it's yeah this was uh this was I'm so happy yeah I'm so happy this is in my catalog yeah I'm so glad you liked it I I think that this is one of the best I feel top 10 as far as romantic comedies as far as the script and everything in between the costumes and like the just the unlikeliness of Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan being a match made in heaven I want to see more of this I feel like we don't see it as often anymore it's just like you know Ryan Reynolds or someone you know which I don't mind I don't mind seeing a hot guy and I feel like maybe that's also why Meg and Tom Hanks work so well because Tom is handsome enough but he's also the everyday guy too right like it it feels like yeah it feels like a more relatable kind of story because it's like oh yeah yes. i mean they're good looking hollywood folks but like they look like you and me a little bit yeah yeah yes yeah um well who knows maybe we'll get a chance to talk about the two of them at some point this month we we clearly need to maybe. finalize our uh um you know our schedule 
But we're going to have to do that on our own time because we uh, – it's when Nick and Colin met the orchestra because we're getting played (laughs) off. (laughs) Nice. So where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you? Well, you could find more of me blathering on about All Stars 8 of RuPaul's Drag Race on All Right Mary. And you can find more of me on Instagram at ColinTrucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And uh, keep your peepers peeled. I don't really have any pun for that this week. Because yeah. when when your peepers meet the best supporting after show. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there terrible, it is. Terrible, terrible. Oh, play louder, <laughs> orchestra. Just make yes. the mic just like lower into the floor. Um, <laughs> but indeed, the best supporting after show exclusively on Patreon is just around the corner. We have much to catch up on. So many tids and bits of things we've been watching and queening out on. BSA of the week. It's so good. I just don't know what you're doing. And you get early access episodes just like this. I don't know what you're doing. It's at (laughs) patreon.com slash bsapod. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, I do believe it is time for us to get into two pre-owned leaves to edit yourselves named Ruth and Cheryl and get the hell out of here. So I think that's exactly what we're about to do. Sounds good. And that, as they say, is that.